on this episode of The Jason Wright Show. Yes, if, if you recall on, I think, when I came on your show, either last time or the time before, we were, we were kind of jamming on what are the things that kind of make you a little nervous. And uh, for me, it was like this thing that I've always wanted to do, but have just never really pulled the trigger on it. And so I was, I was at that point thinking through of like, all right, you know, if I were to do this, uh, do I sublease my place? Do I, uh, how do I figure that out? And I finally just came to terms of like, oh, um, I'll just wait till the lease is up. I'll get a small storage unit and um, which, which I did. And then when it actually came to it, I was like, oh, actually, I don't even really want all this stuff. I would rather just like sell it all or get a very small storage unit. So I got a four by four storage unit in Austin and uh, I, I used Facebook marketplace to just sell the rest of my stuff. And I packed two bags and then booked a, a flight to Mexico City. So I'm with my boy, Mitchell Cohen. And, and honestly, I don't even know where you are. I think you're somewhere in South America. Is that right? That is right. I am in Medellin, Colombia. There you go. And I, okay. So the audience knows the main reason I, I, I will take a conversation with Mitchell Cohen five days a week if I could get him and you'll never get sick of it because he's literally one of the, he, he is earning the title, most interesting man in the world. He is an international man of mystery and the thing is, dude, not that you have to check in with me before you make every big move, of course, but I didn't know you were doing this, and I found out, I guess, I don't know, is either in your newsletter or on socials that you're out. You're working from afar for how long are you doing this? Uh, that's that's part of the beauty is the uh, the openness of the whole thing. So um, I guess if, if you recall on, I think, when I came on your show – either last time or the time mm -hmm. before, we were, we were kind of jamming on what are the things that kind of make you a little nervous? And uh, for me, it was like this thing that I've always wanted to do, but have just never really pulled the trigger on it. And so I was, I was at that point thinking through of like, all right, you know, if I were to do this, uh, do I sublease my place? Do I, uh, how do I figure that out? And I finally just came to terms of like, oh, um, I'll just wait till the lease is up. I'll get a small storage unit and, um, which I did. And then when it actually came to it, I was like, Oh, actually I don't even really want all this stuff. I would rather just like sell it all or get a very small storage unit. So I got a four by four storage unit in Austin and uh, I, I used Facebook marketplace to just sell the rest of my stuff. And I packed two bags and then booked a, a flight to Mexico city. I was there for two weeks. And then I've been wanting to go to South America and go to Spanish speaking countries to, to learn and integrate uh, Spanish and so now I'm in Colombia, uh, Medellin, Colombia, for like two and a half, three months. And then I'm going to Buenos Aires uh, after that. And then I'll probably go to Costa Rica in December. Then it's, then it's just pretty open. Uh, so every bit of me wants to like uh, initially plan it all out and say, okay, here's this, here's where I'm staying, here's the flight, these are the dates, here are the things I'm going to do. And I, I try to turn that part of my brain off or, or way down and be like, actually, I'm going to tap into just like intuition and just whatever feels best. Dude, I I think that it's so awesome. So, all right. And, and for the listener out there, if you're jealous, yeah, so am I. All right. So 
Tell me some of the early, first of all, what was it like unburdening yourself with, because I got into, well, let me finish a sentence. I'm, I'm so bad about that. I'll start a sentence, then I'll just go because as though I'm mid-sentence. I'm, I'm trying to get better at my interview skills, and that's one of my, in, that's, that's a real-time correction I'm going to make for you and the audience. Let me finish my sentence. Nice. I have really become interested in this idea of minimalism over the last year or so. It's whenever I first discovered the documentaries that the minimalists have made, um, Josh and Ryan. And it seems to me that would be such a freeing experience. So even before we get into just the, the, the cool factor of being able to work from anywhere in the world and kind of buy only one-way tickets until you finally decide to buy a one-way ticket home if that day comes, how, what was it like minimalizing, for lack of a better word, when it, before you made this trip? What was that like? Yeah. Um, so again, it, it, I think it helps for me to have had this thing that I've always kind of wanted to do. And, um, and so these last handful of years, I've thought that like, um, gee, oh, you went away. Did I lose you? No, I just put you on solo. And again, that's another downside okay. to Ecamm is whenever I switch just to you, it looks like you lost me. but no, I just want you to be in the screen. So I just put you on there. Um, okay, cool. That works. Um, the, so, so, so yeah, this is basically something I've been wanting to do for a while. And so I, I've sort of thought about it of like, I would rather have, I like the idea of, uh, minimalism or I think really essentialism captures, captures it better, which mm. resonates more with me a little bit of, uh, you know, like what are the essential things that we do, you know, at work or for fun or with family or friends? Like what are the essential things of life? Similar things. What is the, the essential or minimal, um, items, physical items that we, that, that, that we own. And so, um, I've been wanting to do this thing and then, uh, so kept it pretty minimal as, as it was, but I noticed that like the closet, for example, would be like, Oh, I only like, it, it's definitely not even the 80, 20 rule there. It's like the 95, five rule. Like I wear the same 5% of, uh, clothes every, every single you know day or week. And so I was like, okay, well I only have two bags worth of stuff. And so, um, everything else has to go. And so as much as I wanted to say like, oh, you know, I just did a little bit each week and got rid of things. The There's something beautiful in the power of a deadline where it's like, all right, well, I have this flight, so I have to be out of here and gone and all my stuff has to be gone by this date. And so it's really those last couple of weeks and really the last handful of days where, um, where everything was just like, okay, well, these are my favorite things. Um, these are like kind of, things that I would like to keep in a quick four by four storage unit and then everything else to go. And, and not, and I'm fine with that. In fact, that's like a feature. Have there been some, have you experienced the, that thing now that you're on the road where you, all the things that you wear and that you use every day as being essentials are in fact your favorite things. I mean, do, are you, have you confirmed your decision from leaving over here and going, yeah, God, I'm so glad I've, I like, the t-shirt you're wearing. This is my favorite t-shirt and it's been reinforced because it's the only one I have to wear. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, pretty much I have a bunch of these like, uh, Biori shirts are like super soft. Um, and then I have like, you know, my workout stuff. I, I was, I was wearing the same stuff anyway. Um, and, uh, like a month or so before I left, I was like, all right, like, what are the one, like, what do I want my favorite things to be? So I went and I, I just got, you know, more, uh, workout shorts or, you know, tank tops or whatever the go-tos uh, that I wanted 
were. And then I was like, oh man, I should have, I should have done this a while ago. And I think for anyone listening at home, it's like, okay, well, I, I don't have this trip, but it's still a good exercise to go through of like anything from me making a list of, okay, I get a bunch of random mail, uh, like physical mail in addition to like, um, you know, newsletters, all that stuff is like, how do I just unsubscribe to all that stuff? Definitely the, the physical mail, select paper lists for, for all those. And then just like, where else in my life can I kind of like free up attention and bandwidth and doing so, uh, I think it's like through negativa versus positiva where it's just like, what can you remove is far often easier, uh, exercise than, than what should you add? And it was really helpful for me to do that and be like, okay, well, um, I'm, I'm now paperless. Um, I have another address that, that I like claim for, for, for where I am in Austin, um, for, for tax purposes, but, um, I'll probably set up a, a earth mail address, um, at some point as well. And so it's just like the less, um, the less physical things, the less, uh, you know, things coming to me or at me or like, uh, competing with my attention, the better. So. Derek Sivers lives this kind of nomadic life. You know, he doesn't own a, a single home. He just, he's always on the road. Um, two questions. One, how did you decide where you were going to go? And are, have you decided the entire year up to a point? Or are you just kind of like where you'll go one place and go, hmm, I've got three choices to make. I'm going to go here next. Kind of what's the process there? How did you decide? And then do you think that this could end up being a, uh, a permanent nomad hood or whatever. I don't know how you, how you say that Mitchell, but uh nomad experience. Do you think that you could do this for a while? Um, so whenever I start to think about two, three, four months down the road, um, I sort of am like, Hmm, I don't really know. And so I'm not even really going to worry about it. Um, but what I do think is, um, like I was saying earlier, like turning off that, that part of my brain that wants to like overanalyze things and um and so i was like okay like for example looking to go to uh i had heard good things about colombia i'd heard great things about buenos aires we're gonna go to buenos aires first but there um our summer is their winter so it's a little colder right now so i was like oh i'll just go to colombia first and then i was looking at direct flights and i was like um austin doesn't fly directly in there but mexico city does that's also been on the list and so i can make this hard and be like okay well how long should I go to Mexico City or should I go somewhere else? Or I can make it easy and be like, okay, cool. Mexico City sounds cool. Feels right. Boom. How about, I don't want to just a couple of days. How about two weeks? Uh, yeah, that's cool. I'll do two weeks, set up the next flight to, to come here. And this is where I am for um, two and a half months. Um, and then I'm meeting a couple of friends here and we're, um, we're, we're getting like a, like a big, nice house. Um, Started in September to the end of October. And then from there, I'm open. Most likely at that point, it'll be nice in Buenos Aires, so I'll go down there. Uh, but but I'm open. Fantastic. And and I guess the last part, could this be you know a lifestyle? Um, I will say I, I've I've gotten to know the community a little bit more. I think um, uh, you're you're also familiar with the book uh, Vagabonding, and uh, there's this community called Nomad List, where it's basically just like a a community or Slack workspace where there's a different channel for every country. And so, you know, when I got to Mexico city, I met up with the people and they're like, yo, by the way, like watch out for, you know, these things or like get this travel insurance. And like uh, most people mess up here, like look out for this. And like that alone was so invaluable to make quick decisions to search there. 
and then um and then similar here in Colombia, there's there's like a meetup group and I've, I've met people through there um so i think it helps to have like some sort of community of of whatever you're doing right if you're in um if you're in the trucking industry of like what are like the veteran truckers saying to look out for and and, and what are they doing similar with the travel stuff which like i think at yeah i think it's safe to say i'll be traveling in some capacity the rest of my life so i might as well like get kind of good at it and see what i like what i don't like and i think that there's like a lot of um or at least a few happiness studies that 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 correlate one of the strongest factors to happiness is in fact community so i think at some point there will be this aspect of longing for like planting roots in in a main city and i still like austin as my home base for that but i also know no like nomadic ish people who have like three different like home bases and they're like oh these are my favorite three spots um and you know when they're in europe they go to amsterdam when they're in the states they go here and uh and that sounds kind of cool too but again i'm trying to just like keep it easy see what happens yeah one of my buddies tom reed from graduate school that's exactly how he lives i mean he has a permanent home in dallas but he is i mean he's always in western europe eastern europe you know on a beach and he is he has communities everywhere i mean he might stay in a hotel he might crash at some friends in Amsterdam in Amsterdam's house. I mean, he he literally has people on all corners of the earth, you know, where he can stay and hang out. And that's that has become his kind of de facto community is a, is this global community. Um, all right, so so I read about and I want you to describe because I've only read about it. I haven't heard from you personally. You're you're somewhere. I can't remember what, exactly where you were. You're trying to make a connection to hop on a flight, and they're like, "Yeah, no, you you can't get on the plane." but yet you worked your way through it. And here's what I like about that story and you figuring out how to get to that situation. What I've noticed, or one of the biggest takeaways for me when I've traveled internationally, especially like for me being in China where the language language barrier is so intense, there's just, a, uh, there's just something about it. There's just an extra challenge there. You cannot simulate those challenges. They can only happen... If it's a simulation, you there's always, I think, something subconsciously that tells you this is a simulation. It's only when you put yourself in positions where you have to strategically figure out your way out of whatever complication you found yourself in that I think you get the greatest benefit. And you found one of those situations. I thought you were very calm, cool, and collected, at least reading about it. Talk about kind of that and any of the other challenges you've faced and how you've had to overcome them since you've hit the road. Yeah, Um so I think like big picture, one of the, the, the quick things I've noticed with this travel stuff, is like, there are so many little problems that present itself along the journey, right? Of like, oh, you know, uh, Airbnb is not ready or the flight got delayed or canceled or this place. It was like, you name it, the stuff, like it, it's not the exception, it's the rule. And so while it sounds like kind of exhausting to be like, and not to mention language barrier and all these things, uh, trying to learn Spanish, but um, the it sounds like exhausting, and it's like oh man, of like um, like like the flight story you're you're, you're talking about was uh, I was leaving Mexico City and um, was was checking in for my flight to Colombia, and I get to the gate and they're like, do you have a return flight back to Mexico? I said no, and then they said, do you have a permanent address in Colombia? I said I do not, and they're like, oh well, you can't get on the plane. Like you need one of those two things. So I was like, oh shoot. Um, okay, here's uh here's another little problem. How do how do we solve it? 
Uh, and I was like, oh, I should have like not even really asked because I, I went up to ask. I was at the right place. And so I was like, I'll just hop back in line. They're busy. I'll go to the other person and like get up to the other person, um, you know, try to check in. And they, they, they say the same thing. And this time they asked me to step out of line. And, uh, and they're like, yo, you, you, you can't get on the flight. You need one of those two things. And so then I was like, okay, well, I'll just kind of act like, you know, um, uh, you know, I talked to someone and they said, it's all good, blah, blah, blah. But like the language barrier wasn't making it easy and it just like, wasn't working. So I was like, okay. And at this point, everyone was on the plane and I was thinking of like, all right, well, like, what do they want? They want, um, a return, um, flight. So I guess I'll just give them that. And so I like, I, I pull out my phone and, and set up like I had really bad Wi-Fi and connection, but like was barely able to, to book the flight. And I show them the confirmation number. I was like, Oh, here, see, it's all good. And then they let me on. And so, um, like there's just tons of those examples where I was reflecting on it later. It's like you're at home maybe and say like the battery goes out to your remote control and you're like, ah, oh, that's just like annoying. Like you don't really have to figure that out. It's just kind of annoying. You don't have that battery, but like these, these real time or real life problems of like, you have to figure it out right in the moment. And it sounds exhausting, but in a weird way, it's almost the opposite. It's like, it's like energizing, right? Of like, yep. Oh, here's the next thing. Um, cool, just figured this thing out, got that. And then like, you know, I bought this flight and then I had to, then I had to um, cancel the flight. And like, that was a whole big thing too, because I, I paid with it. It used PayPal, but it used the wrong uh, uh, account on my PayPal thing. So I had to like figure that out. And so um, basically it's all these little little problems that I would expect it to be exhausted. But like, usually I'd be like, oh, that sounds miserable. I don't want to deal with any of that. And like, sometimes it does, it's not ideal, but it, overall it's been more energizing than it has been like detracting and uh i think that there's like i don't know i think that that's like a microcosm for life where um the was was running the other day i was thinking of this term which i don't think is the right term but like utilization ratio is an engineering term would we'll just see like you know if you're building a building um like how much how much of the resources are you utilizing and um I think that it's the same thing for like my own or, or any of us, like our own well-being or happiness where it's like, if you're doing manual labor for 14 hours a day, you're going to be way overutilized and that's not good. But if you're, if you have like a knowledge um, job or like remote job, you're working like an hour a day, you're gonna be way underutilized and that's not good either. And so it's like, you got to find the balance. Same with physical fitness of like when I wake up and I, I get a sweat in or, you know, burn like at least 300 calories, I feel like, okay, this is the great trajectory towards my day. Like my utilization ratio is spot on. If I do something like challenging, like writing in the morning, that's great. If I have like a, a, a good like internal meeting where we're like, we're thinking through something, come up with a solution, that's really good uh, trajectory. On the contrary, if I have a meeting that's like really long, there's like no takeaway. Um, ended up not being a lot of like great use of time. Like that is definitely detracting from this ratio. And um, long story short, I think like just the the quick problem solving and the ability to look at problems as like, oh, okay, this is just like the next next little um, task, like 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 a fun puzzle versus something that's just like overwhelming and paralyzing, and you don't know where to start. Of just like getting the quick momentum of problem solving and then like continuing on. It's a long answer to your question. Dude, but it's so, I mean, what you said is absolutely spot on and so profound. And it, 
So I just finished the book. Have you read Comfort, Cry- Comfort Crisis by Michael Easter? Have you read that yet? Uh, I, have, I have not. You'll totally dig it. Check it out. I mean, Peter Atia says it's like his top three, one of his top three books of all time. And so Peter Atia says it's one of his mm. top three books. Then I'm like, oh, well, I got to get it because I want to be just like Peter when I grow up, you know? And so mm-hmm. I got it and it's, it's fantastic. And it was, it reinforced something that I've talked about on the podcast a lot. I've actually written about quite a bit is that we, we are in the, in the Uber first world, which I don't think you can get much more first world than the USA, right? We have become so obsessed with comfort that we have forgotten the value of discomfort. And so this whole book talks about how our ancestral body was not made for this Uber 72 degree, perfectly air conditioned, climate controlled, problem free world. And it's like, and we do that with everything. Like think about food. I mean, we've made food as tasty and savory as possible, much to the detriment of a lot of our fellow Americans health, right? It's the same thing with comfort. And so what you're seeing is that you were made to problem solve. And I love that I, that concept of there is a, a sense of odor overutilization in physical labor, fit, you know, taxing, you know, physical things. But there's also this underutilization. I think by and large, most of us, especially those of us that are in knowledge work and that do that sort of thing, we so underutilize what we have the capacity for. And not only that, man, it's not just some, um, it's not just some vain pursuit. It's what we were made for. We were made to lift heavy things. We were made to sweat. We were made to breathe hard occasionally. And if we don't do that, it's kind of a use it or lose it scenario. I highly recommend that book and your, your trip, that book. And that's why I told you, I've started kind of sketching out the notes to finally, which I should have done this long time ago, back in 04, I took my first uh, overseas mission trip to China. Didn't think I was going to make it back. I was three days on a mountain, completely dehydrated, lost like 15 pounds. And man, in the Southern port, Southern Hunan province of China in the foothills of the Himalayas, dude. And it was just like, it like I said earlier, it wasn't a simulation. It was like, I felt like I was on Survivor, but there was no television producer. There's no cameras. There's no, hey, there, here's some water if it gets too bad. It, you, you, you start to realize this is it. I'm, I'm out here in, in survival. And like you said, problem solving is the only option. It's not just an inconvenience. It's the only way I get to go forward is to solve this problem. And we don't have enough of those instances in everyday life. I mean, some people do. I mean, there's still some people even... I guess here in, in, the, in the States, it's almost hard to find a, a, a situation in which you just, and that's one of the things that really occurred to me whenever I came back from that trip was like, man, having experienced that where it is do or die, there's really nothing that can completely knock me down in a first world scenario. I mean, there's you're just never going to be that far from food, shelter, help. It just... You're just not. And I think that's so healthy that you've gone through through that. Um, what about like, and, and tell me, I, okay, I don't want to make this story about me. So I'm just going to tee up the question because uh, I know what I felt that was really surprising. Tell me about the commu- how people have welcomed you or interacted with you when they find out, oh, this dude is, he's on a long journey. And how have people received you? Um, people love it. People love the the idea and the concept of selling all your stuff and um, just like kind of going for it, especially because I've been wanting to do this for a while. Yep. And um, I will say that like going into, um, so I'm, I'm mainly traveling in Spanish speaking countries right now to, to learn the language. And 
uh, at first, and the, the whole language thing is its own sort of concept where it's like, you know, feeling, feeling very dumb again and feeling like you can't communicate and all, all these things. And, you know, depending on where you go, they might charge you a different price if you're, you know, just like a you know, dumb American. And so um, the what I found is especially once you, if you make the effort to say um, like 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 a story aprendiendo means I am learning. And so like when I was trying to say like, yo, how much is this or where's the bathroom or whatever? Like they're just kind of like you know almost dismiss you. They'll, they'll tell you or, or try, but they they oftentimes don't speak English either. So, um, but as soon as you say, um, "Oh, lo siento, estoy aprendiendo español," they're like, "Oh, okay, cool, he's trying." And so, like, I think that there's something there with at least making the effort, and uh, and people like that. You yeah. know, insert that into any scenario. It's kind of like uh, you you're, you're driving on the highway and you see somebody just like chilling there, like asking for help. Uh, probably not going to stop, but you see that same person and they're like pushing their car. You're like, oh man, look at this person. They need help. You know, they're trying to help themselves. I'll go help. And I think it's a similar concept here. So um, the language learning stuff is is tricky, but I think having the attempt um, also like it kind of unlocks this whole new part of your brain of like literally these neurons firing together that have never fired before. And before it's just like, oh, I don't like feeling stupid. And, uh, and I tell myself like, oh, there's the, you know, uh, beginner's mindset and all the things you hear that sound nice, but then it's not, it's only until you, you, you put in the reps where it's like, oh man, this is actually kind of hard. And so one of the things I did, I think it's important for, for anybody with, with goals or with just things they want to do is to get very clear on the why. And, and so I did that with two questions. And, um, for me, like I've started to try to learn guitar. I've, tr- I've started all these sort of things. I think there's the, I love social media, but there's a couple things that I think can be negative effects of that is one, it makes everything seem like it's so easy to do. And two, it makes you think like you should do everything. Mm-hmm. When in reality, like we should probably, or maybe I'm speaking for myself, should probably try to do way less things and just do those things better and know that they're they're going to require a lot of effort and time and so like for me that's like writing or um w- w- the the two questions i asked myself when i was thinking about you know learning spanish is like one what is the future state of success like feel like and it sounds woo woo but like hear me out and so once i define what that feels like the future state of success i was like well one, I've always wanted to do this thing. So it feels like that's a vote towards the person I want to be to like hold my word to myself. That feels nice. Two of kind of mastering this, um, you know, taking on new challenge and it's really hard at first, but you put in the time and then you do it and then it's fulfilling. That feels nice. And then also this like unlocking this new area of my my brain that was like, oh, well, I didn't even know this stuff was here. And it gives me a brand new context on not only Spanish, but also English and words and language and sentence structure in general. It's been like a super cool little added benefit that I've, that I've added. So it's like, oh, that feels nice. And then once I list out all these these uh, specific descriptions of, of how that future state feels and start to achieve them, I was like, oh, I want more of this. This is, this is great. And then the other thing is like, what is the simple structure where like, regardless of 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 the actual outcome like it still is a win and like 
for me, that's always like take something uh, ambiguous, like, you know, learning a language, like how do you, when do you start? When do you finish? When are you done? And so with any of these things, whether it's a new project for work or a writing thing or really any sort of project I take on, I'll just do a, a quick Google sheet of like, all right, what is, where do I, what are all the, like the units that of measurement that I'm tracking or that can be tracked? And what does it look like when it's done? What does it look like after a week, a month? What, how do I break that down into a day? And it will change, but just having something, some sort of scorecard that you could look at and be like, okay, cool. This is, this is like the, uh, with Spanish, for example, I think it's like a perfect example for learning anything because you could think of, okay, how do I, how do I learn Spanish? Well, it's hard to really quantify that, but you could certainly, it's really just a matter of how much time you put into it. So if I were to say, uh, so it's basically like hours, not, not, not months. And so like, if I were to say, oh, I learned Spanish in one month, you'd be like, whoa, that's crazy. Like, how'd you do that? But if I were to say I learned it in six months, you'd be like, yeah, that, that sounds about right. But really it's the same amount of hours wherever you put the hours. So like, you know, some people call it 150 hours. And so if you break that down and do four hours a day, then you're going to get there in a month. But if you just do like an hour a week or something, it's going to take much longer. So I just put, I've been kind of doing Duolingo for a little while. So I was just like, I just want to pick something. I just picked a hundred hours and I made that in a Google sheet. And I was like, this is my goal just to pick something. And then I broke that out and do like, okay, what do I want to do each week? And what do I want to do each day? So I at least have a target that will change. Uh, but it, it's been very helpful for me, like creating this momentum, getting started when that that's the hardest part is starting, especially when you suck at it. What do you, how do you decide? Cause this is one of the things it's funny you bring up the guitar. Cause that's something I've been trying to learn. And, uh, how do you decide when to pull the plug on something that you thought that you, and you, you've gone through the exercise of, this is something I've wanted to learn. I'm, I'm going to put in the, the, whether it's the 10,000 hours or whatever the case is, I'm going to put I'm going to keep up with my streaks. I'm going to score it, whatever. When do you decide, you know what? I'm just pulling the plug. This it, Maybe it's, it's not worth it. Or, or is that it? You just, you, you go, you go, you go and you look and you look at all your metrics and go, I've put in the time. I'm not getting the feed. The feedback loop is not closing. And so I'm out. Do you have a gauge for that sort of thing? Cause that's one of the things I struggle with Mitchell, especially now lately. Cause I just had this conversation yesterday. I was talking to some guys in like an accountability group. I said, one of my biggest problems now, I used to be a guy that would chase all the shiny objects, business deals, new, new, uh, new skills, whatever. I would just chase them all. Now I'm the guy that I'm obsessed. And, and, and there were so many of them that I didn't finish that now I'm obsessed with finishing, even if it kills me, you know, whether it's writing a book, whether mm. it's, doing, you know, some series that I've got for the podcast, I am going to like right now, my biggest nemesis, my Goliath is creating this learning app. I've got, I want to teach online courses and I've got this app that I've been developing the Vitruvian lab, which is almost there, but it's just been an absolute beatdown. And I'm like, I just, I have to keep going. Um, do you, how do you assess when it's time to, I guess, like Seth Godin, you know, in the dip when it's time to to quit strategically. Do you have a way that you go about that? I think it's tough. Uh, every project is kind of different. Every person is different, but like a couple of the questions I like to ask are um, one, like what is the dream scenario? Like, what does that look like? What does it feel like? Where it's just like, Oh, it's, you know, I show up, I have conversations with Jason and, you know, I'm writing and like, kind of like that uh, utilization ratio is, is going very strong. 
um, and then like seeing where the thing fits in there. And then the second one is like, what is it? What does the easy, simple version look like? And if I can't really plug it into one of those, um, it probably means that, um, and I guess there's like a third factor of like, how much do I really want it? Where the guitar thing for me, um, uh, I will definitely learn at some point, but it wasn't the highest um, thing that I wanted, the, the thing that I wanted most at the time. And like, especially when I was getting ready to travel, it just like didn't really make sense. Um, so for me, it's like, do I want it? How do I break it down simply? And like, does it fit into this like dream scenario? Then if not, it's like, um, it's fine. I could do it uh, another time, but anything that I have like immediately on my plate, um, I want to be like very excited about and fired up about because you quickly get into the thing where, which I struggle with a lot too. It's like, okay, I'm doing guitar, but should I be doing Spanish? I'm doing writing, but should I be doing improv classes? And if like, there's that second thing creeping up always, then you're not really giving it the fullest attempt. And so then that's how like, um, you sort of get into like the, um, um, situation where you're just like constantly doubting everything so like going back to the scorecard thing the the best case for me that i found is like have a, a clear scorecard that breaks down minimal success and then like you mentioned sprinkle in accountability wherever possible and like um and it doesn't have to be to finish the whole thing but just have like milestones right like you're like you're um you know um, climbing a mountain and uh and then you could always reevaluate as you go along all right. So, and then along those lines, one of the things that's most challenging for me, again, this came up in the conversation I had yesterday, um, is get when you're, when you're a content creator and so much of what you do, like what you and I both do is just kind of, we're, we're just going solo. We find something that really piques our interest and we dive in and we try to create that dream scenario that you're talking about. That's, it's exactly what I'm trying to do. How, what are you doing to build in and like we, we talked about offline and you sent me some notes on it. I think it's a great thing to get the feedback you need as to from the outside perspective, like here's the biggest challenge I'm faced with Mitchell and feel free to, to weigh in on this. I'm asking you, I would like a consider this kind of like a free or a, for me, a, a counseling session with you. I don't know. I'm having a hard time right now figuring out what I'm doing really well and is having real utility value for others. Now, the, the, the podcast, the downloads are going through the roof, but I don't know why, okay? And I, I mean, and it's, it's like, from my, from my perspective, it's like, okay, well, if they're going, if, if the downloads are, are going up all of a sudden quite high, what do I do with that? The newsletter, my open rate is, is kind of ridiculous. It's around 60% at this point. It's not huge, but the people that get it, they at least are either kind enough to just click open or I, like when I write something like a, a really good article, and this is what I'm, I'm kind of learning is um, the more transparent you are. I mean, James Altucher, that's what made him is James Altucher. You know, he was very transparent and open about him going broke and some of the, <laughs> some of his biggest pitfalls are what made him famous versus his, all of his success. Well, whenever I write things about like the one, the article I just did recently about how I haven't had a, drink of alcohol in four years people that people want to know well, how'd that go how'd you do that uh that one's gotten really so i'm starting to learn little things like that but what do you do to build in a feedback loop to to either get the hey mitchell or, i saw you're doing this and it looks like you're working really hard on it but this is where i think you should really be focusing your attention you don't have to 
take that advice because you may love it so much that you don't care about the response. You just, that's what you enjoy doing. Um, what can I do better to figure out, am I spending my time in the right place? And you're one of the guys, I, I, I'm glad I'm asking you this question because you're one of the reasons why the Jason Wright show exists, brother. I mean, <laughs> you know, you're, you mean you and I had our first conversation and that afternoon, my whole brand had changed. Um, I remember. Yeah. So, so I guess the two part question, one, how do you build in feedback from people you admire so that you know that you're working on the right things or how you can make, you know, adjustments. And two, um, as a consumer of my content, what could I be doing better? What do you think I should lean in a little harder on? And one in particular, sorry, I keep asking, I keep saying just two part questions. I keep, I won't shut up, but you're a YouTube expert. I love the YouTube medium. Um, I just, I'm having, and I know what I think could add value, but I think a, a little bit of imposter syndrome comes out and I want to know how to get over that so I can really add some value in that medium. So with all that mishmash, try, try to take it away, brother. Um, I love this. So yeah, big believer in like the power of feedback. Right. And so with anything, like I look to look at like, what are some of the best examples in other industries that you could learn from or apply the similar thing? So there's this concept of, of brain trust where um, the the book Creativity Inc. talks about, you know, the Pixar brain trust. They get a bunch of smart people in the room. They get very early feedback and they're very like brutally honest with, with, with each other of like, you know, that's just a really bad idea. Or, you know, we've seen X, Y, or Z, they're very smart and very honest and like feedback is the, uh, the mechanism in which they make great, um, great art. And uh, you look at other companies, right? Like Reddit has what they call Reddit guilds, which are their brain trust, similar thing. All companies have like a board of advisors. Um, some people do like a personal board of, uh, you know, directors. And um, I know Noah does this like quarterly Zoom of like, he calls it like a tribe of wise men where he just gets on a Zoom with like 10 of his like closest friends and kind of gives an update on his life. And he'll also send out like monthly emails to um, two of his friends of just like highlights, lowlights and, uh, and get feedback that way. He's actually constantly getting feedback, uh, which I've always really appreciated about him. And um the so some of the ways I do it, um, I've always loved the idea of the a personal board of directors, but admittedly have been like too either scared or just like not knowing where to start to pull that off. And so actually, this last, uh, I, I I keep a list of who I think you know I w would who is who's on there. It's like it's your own board; you can do whatever you want. Um, so I suppose I do have one, and I actually wrote out an email in after the first half of this year. So like the beginning of July um, <clears throat> and I was going to send it out, but I was like, ah, I actually got a lot of value actually just writing this email as if I were to send it out. Um, I'll probably send them out at some point. Uh, but, but, you know, definitely some of the people on the, on the, the on my board directors have no idea they're even on it, which is kind of cool too. Uh, but I think that if I were to be on the receiving end of that, I would think that that's, that's like pretty dope. Um, but in terms of like more, more tactical or tangible feedback things, um, like surround Seinfeld says this thing, like, I think you literally wrote the book on it called, um, is this anything yeah. and like comedians as they're developing stuff, like they have to go and, uh, and for them, like the, the, the currency is laughs, right. They have to go and like 
try out new material? Does it, do people laugh or do they not? It's like that feedback is everything. And Seinfeld talks about like, he'll send like, um, he'll call his, his comedian friends and be like, yo, is this anything? Or is like, I just wrote this thing on a napkin of like, is this funny? Could this be anything? And so like, I think the takeaway is how do we all get more feedback earlier in the process? And, um, and so you have these different like area, like people with different domain expertise of like, um, I could go to, you know, you for like some more of like the, um, the older wisdom perspective, family, business building, content creation, um, that sort of thing, um, or really anything else. But I, I have, um, uh, a few months ago, uh, earlier this year, I have, uh, I put together a Slack channel for just like accountability of, of people who I think were, um, or often content creators or had a, had a business and uh, wanted to say, Hey, here's my accountability thing at the beginning of the month. Um, here's, you know, here, here's where I'm tracking and sort of, it turned into this thing where I had to like nudge people to like, Hey, post your goal and stuff. And I didn't want to do that, but instead it's just like, it, I, everyone's in Slack already. So it's like, yo, is this anything you could do, do like the Seinfeld thing of like, uh, thinking about this just real, real quick. I suppose you could do the same thing via text. But it's just having the different people there to say, hey, I'm thinking about this concept. Um, and a great forcing function for me is carving out time to establish what, what the thing is in the first place, right? The writing. And um, and then that informs downstream a lot of the other stuff. And so um, my chosen uh, cadence for, for doing that is a weekly newsletter um, that uh, that like forces me to think of these things. And then... Uh, every week since I've, since I've done it, uh, not always a ton, but always at least one person will reply and be like, Oh, I love this sort of thing. Or like what you told me at the beginning of the call that you loved, like, um, the, the, the travel story. It's like, that's so valuable to me. Um, I, I want to have a system where I get more of that in place. Um, and, and so, yeah, I love the feedback thing. I think sometimes too, if you want anybody listening to this, wants feedback, try just giving it. Um, and also like establishing, I've established with all the people that I work with, how much I love and value feedback and they feel the same way. And so it's just like, uh, constantly be like, yo, any feedback for me, how can I get better? Definitely like nudging that monthly, um, and then quarterly have more of a, a formal process, but like, uh, always asking for that. And another way to get it is just to give it right of like, yo, a quick sort of piece of feedback, um, uh, I'll usually ask, like, are you, do, do you want feedback here or do you want a piece of feedback? And everyone usually is like, yeah, I love feedback. And so then, then you do that. Then they, you could end it with like anything for me. Uh, sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't, but at least you're like giving to, which feels good. Um, and then the second part of your question was, um, was feedback for you. So um, here's my feedback for you. I think that you're doing a lot of things um, between writing the books between writing email content, blog posts, uh, YouTube interview or uh, podcast interviews, putting some stuff on YouTube, Instagram, um, where you definitely can do all those things, but I'd imagine that some of those things will have a disproportionate um, uh, input to output ratio where, uh, or I suppose output to input ratio where uh, you're just getting a lot more bang for your buck or for your time rather. And I think that in general, what I'm gonna start doing um, is just seeing where short form, how popular short form is. And it just so happens to be an easy way to start something because I like to break things down easier. It's easier for me to start short form videos than long form. Um, 
I like, I still like the weekly newsletter that I'm going to do, um, have connected with awesome people through there. And I, I, I love that for just forced thinking time and clarity, but that also will inform like video ideas. And I, I've started a, a, a list of all the different video ideas and the platforms are, are loving that right now. And so like you, you start to, you could just do a, you know, 60 second short form on your mobile phone and push that out to TikTok, um, YouTube shorts and Instagram reels. And, you know, after I'm going to do this over the next couple of months and just kind of see what hits, maybe, they, maybe, maybe none of them do. And it's a good little experiment. Um, but I'd imagine just seeing some of the studying that for a little while now that, um, just doing the thing will inform me of like, oh, okay, well, these things didn't work, but this really works. And this is really hard for me, but this is really easy. So like, what is the overlap of easy for me and fun and that people like, and that the, that, that's working. And you can only, I've thought about it now for too long, kind of similar to the trip thing. I thought about doing the trip for too long. It's just time for action. And uh, similar with this short form video stuff where I'm already kind of doing, I don't know, at least half of it with thinking through these ideas, but then it's just another like um, forced clarity to think, to synthesize it even further into a short video. So if I were you, um, my feedback would be to think in terms of what is the best 60 seconds of content. Mm-hmm. Um, and then whether that could be a Twitter thread or like a video thing. And then it's like, um, okay, you, you could repurpose a lot of these long form videos um, as full videos, or you just repurpose them as um, shorts and then start to uh, start to do that. And then let like more of your like, uh, like fun, goofy personality shine. And, uh, like the, the, I don't know how I missed it, but the, your Goggins impression video the other day was amazing. I want Thanks. more of the, more of that. Like <laughs> you, uh, if you look at some of these, these, these people who, um, who their full-time job now are, are content creators, these people on TikTok or Instagram or wherever, uh, some of their top videos, you're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And then some of them are like, what, in what world, how did that become like a viral trending video? So like, it's just a matter of like, I think just listing out the things you're most excited about, um, like that, that Goggins impersonation video is a perfect example because regardless of the outcome, that was hilarious and fun for you and, and hilarious and fun for me to, to, to consume. And so it's like, that's just fun. You want to make it fun. And if there's a chance that something like that goes viral, then that's aligned towards what you're all doing, what, what, what you're doing to make the content for in the first place. So um, I would, I would sort of structure it. Uh, I could, I could just share you how I'm going to structure it too. It's just like um, small test. I'm going to do 15 videos, I think um, over a span of a handful of weeks. And um, for me, editing is really hard. So I think like, okay, where, where would the, the, where would I fail? Where would I break down? Yeah. Um, I could think of the idea. Cool. Got it. Um, I could probably just, you know, do something on my phone. Um, that, that's fine. I'm not going to worry about a camera yet. Um, I could, I could shoot it and then editing. Okay. Um, that's definitely for me where I would be like, oh shoot, I don't know how to edit. I don't, I'm not good at it. It takes a long time. And so originally I'd be like, oh, well, I'll just learn. I could do that. And now I'm like, try to be much more intentional with my time. Maybe at some point I will, but that's like, I'm, I'm learning Spanish for a couple hours each day. Like the... I don't think that I want to add that on, on to, onto my plate right now. And so I'm just going to hire somebody. I've, I, in fact, I've already hired somebody on Upwork. He's all right, very inexpensive um, overseas. And I think I've already kind of started a, a small test with a couple of these, but I also know people who are exceptional at it. And um, 
uh, in fact, somebody else, uh, another good part about putting out content is like you get people, um, you get to like share what you're most interested in. So you get to connect with people and uh, somebody DM me the other day asking if he could help um, like with editing or any of my, my content. And he actually sent over a few examples of like, hey, I, I went ahead and edited your last um, uh, podcast episode and I changed a few things. I was like, oh, I appreciate the hustle. That's great. Um, so I think like takeaway is having, uh, having a quick plan, 15 videos, and then seeing where would the system break down for me, that editing to so get an editor and then, uh, and then see how it goes. But like, I can only think about it for so long. I need like real world feedback after that. Uh, so I, I would, I would recommend the same for you. Yes. Yeah, yes. One of the hard things for me, Mitchell is I went about it. I didn't know how to edit, didn't know how to do anything. And so I just, I, I jumped in and now I know how to do everything. So I, so I think I'm supposed, not that I'm good at it, but I know it, whatever. And I'll see something like James Smith that I mentioned before we got on this guy that's doing exactly what you're saying. He was a personal trainer over in the UK, then moved to Sydney and now he's blowing up. I mean, the dude is just going nuts and he did it with short YouTube shorts that he puts out. I mean, I mean, his videos are rarely more than four minutes or so. And I've got to figure out how to hand off the creative piece. So I'll do more. I would probably do more videos, but man, I, if I do one little video, I will just, I'll obsess over it for so long. But, oh, I could do this and do this and this. And, that, and like one of the things I'm missing out on is I don't, I, I film 99% of my podcast, but I don't break them up into little bite-sized chunks, which is how Rogan built his show was on clips. Which brings up a question for me that I want to ask you, uh, uh, someone that I found intriguing that is now blowing up. Chris Williamson, uh, Modern Wisdom, you familiar with his podcast? Okay, why is, he, why is he such a big thing? I think he's great. I, don't, I, just, I, I, I look at a guy like that who started out ex his podcast pretty much exactly how you and I are starting. What do you think is the is the... Is it just a, a break? The, the right guest says yes, and then so therefore it makes it okay for Jordan Peterson. And now, now he's really on a roll. I mean, this has been the year of Chris Williamson for in his little world. But but as far as being an exceptional interviewer or anything like that, again, great guy. Rem probably a guy you and I would hang out with, and he's in Austin now. It sounds like a lot of the time, if not permanently. Um, do you have any ideas what 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 his game is, or or someone like him? You know what what makes you kind of. What's he, what his what his ingredient was? Have you have you spotted it? Um, it's funny you asked about him. I I, I have actually. Um, so I a couple of years ago I, I sort of saw some of his stuff, but really like probably a year ago was like thinking the same thing of like wow this dude's popping off like what is it? And so like back to like what I was mentioning earlier like what is the example in the same industry or different industry where you could like study and learn from and um. I could just share the uh, the screen here. Um, is that cool? Absolutely. Let's see. Um, okay, so window. Okay, here. Um, can you see this? Mm -hmm. So, like, one of the beautiful parts about YouTube is you could go in and uh, so, like, you go to the home and then you just click on videos and then sort by most popular. Yep. You could very clearly see uh, what is working. Um, same same thing with like Twitter. There's there's, there's a um, extension you could get for um, it's called Tweet Mix, and you can see the most popular tweets. So like whenever I'm studying somebody or something, I want to see like what's really working, what's not working, 
and when when did it change? If you look um, at their top videos, so um, let, let's just look for Jordan Peterson in his top videos. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. He's got Jordan Peterson in ten of his top like twelve videos, and if you hover over the thing and see, like ninety percent of these are from one interview. Yep. So all that he did, this was like six months ago when he first started to really, really take off. Uh, and then he senses has been doing it more. Um, all that he did was um, like people will call it like trend jacking or, or um, you know, taking popular thing and adding your spin to it. Um, Jordan Peterson, for whatever reason, crushes on YouTube um, and I'm sure other other platforms. And so like uh, one of the things I look for for YouTube video ideas is the ratio of um, views to a channel's subscriber count. So if say a video has, um, you know, a hundred thousand views, but it's, it, they have a hundred thousand subscribers. That's like one-to-one. -one. That's like, that's fine. It's not great. But if it has a hundred thousand views and it only has a thousand subscribers, then it's like, whoa, what did they do to get, you know, a hundred X their, mm -hmm. their views to subscriber. And then you start to see like, oh, okay, these types of content or these types of videos, these ideas, these, these Jordan Peterson videos, uh, work well. Some some channels are doing it with Jordan Peterson. Uh, a lot of them are actually doing it without actually interviewing Jordan Peterson. So you can just take the popular thing, talk about it, you know, share the screen, whatever, and that works too. But to deconstruct like what worked for him, the the other thing is probably the biggest thing too. He was early to the platform. He's been doing this for a while, and first mover advantage always. Um, like look at Rogan. You look at Tim Ferriss early to podcasting. Uh, all these people first mover advantage definitely probably a huge factor, but then you sprinkle in um, like some of the tactics of what they do to um, topic selection and giving those topics out into bite sized chunks and to uh, give the platform what it wants. YouTube doesn't want like an hour and a half long interview. It wants specific, you know, 10 minute clips um, or now even shorter, like, you know, YouTube short type content. So um that is what I think happened. He, he's also been doing it for a while. He got better at it, got bigger names and, um, and, and started, you know, connecting with people then got on Rogan and, uh, now he's huge. Yeah. It's just, it, it's blown my mind watching him uh, of all, of all the guys that I've watched here recently. And I do think that one of the things that I think that has, and you're, you're going to see this with your podcast. Like I, I told you, my numbers have gone up. Like, I mean, like right now my, uh, 30 day average is up like 300% on downloads. And I think it's just because it's consistency. And I, that's why I want, and I love doing the podcast. I don't want to quit that, but my biggest Achilles, like yours is editing. Maybe I need to get somebody to, to send them my podcast, get them to break it up into clips for me, because I'm probably not going to do that. It, it's, and it's so easy. It's so stupid, it, but it, that it's just, it's easy. And I just, I don't, it's just, I'm not going to do it. Uh, how, whenever you're doing, and this is another thing that's hard for me whenever you're going to like get somebody at Upwork or something like that, do you just kind of give them a muse? Do you say, okay, see what this guy's doing with his content. I want mine to look like that. Or do you find somebody that's creative enough to do it, uh, in, in, to understand what you want and deliver it? And you go, yeah, well done. How, how are you delegating that creativity? Yeah, you can find, you can definitely find people on Upwork, but you, you have to set it up right. Cause the majority yeah. of it um, are, 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 are going to be like, 
not great fits. And so uh, I can send you the, the the Google Doc I set up. But basically, like you create a quick test project for them and say, hey, um, you know, I'm looking some for somebody long term, um, and you know, I, I want you to grow with me. I help help teach you, um, pay you more over time, all the things that you know that somebody like that would want to hear. And then, uh, but before we start, we're gonna do a quick te test project. Here's a video and like, just give them the smallest version of whatever um, you would have them do and say, just like edit the first 30 seconds of this um, and put this, you know, put this like that. And then I sprinkle in what I thought was one air and say, uh, and then at the end I say, and, and like uh, reply here on this form, uh, like put, put the link in this form. And then what was the one air, um, I uh, in, in like spell uh, misspelling that I did in, in the thing. And uh, I was like, oh, that's pretty clever, right? And then um, got some uh, feedback. Some people would be like, oh, there was nothing misspelled. Everything was good. And it was like, no, I definitely misspelled one thing. And then one uh, one chick was like, oh, there's actually two misspellings. There was this, the thing I, I knew I misspelled. Then it was the other thing I didn't realize I misspelled. And so, uh, and, she, and she pointed out both of them. And so now for all the tests, I'm, I'm always going to spot uh, include two to see like the first one weeds out the majority of the people, but like add a sneaky one in there too, because to be honest, like th that whole process is kind of draining for me um, to like go through all that and then to have a bunch of back and forth, set up the, the, the doc and the sheet. But like, it is so much less draining and it's so important to get work with impressive people that it's worth all the time. And so um, I'm, the you know i have a, a decent sort of setup right now with with with, with um my, my my current guy but i think that looking at the the difference in quality it makes sense for me to pay up to uh to, to find somebody great so i think that's what i'm gonna do next i like it i like it all right kind of going back and i know we, we I mean your time's valuable we got we're almost at the hour mark i don't want to keep you all day although i totally could i love geeking out with you man so how are you making yeah, this is great I know you're like me. You love to have a set routine. I mean, you, you you are you and I are so cut from the same cloth. With you traveling like this, how hard is it to like everything from your your food and all that? How's that going? I'm just thinking because I'm looking in the background. Like, okay, are you how are you doing with your workouts? And I know you're a runner. How are you maintaining that sense of that formulaic, you know, day to day of being on the road like you are? Yeah. Uh, so I was thinking through like what what would maybe make that harder and like there's a concept in traveling of like you know nomad versus slow mad mm -hmm. and slow mad is just like you're there for a while you really take it in you're not in a rush um and i really resonated with that because i've gone to places before where it's like every three days like new hotel or airbnb so it's like okay i don't want to do that my minimum to get acclimated is like two weeks and so that's why i was in mexico city for two weeks and um i'll just look at a place that's close to walkable to things, um, walkable to a gym and, uh, in a grocery store and like restaurants and stuff. And, um, and that's pretty much all I need. Also down here, it's really nice. They have a, it's called Rappi and they have like basically anything you could want, like Amazon meets Uber Eats and like they could be here and they'll deliver it in a little moto. Uh, and it's super quick and very inexpensive. So, uh, that definitely helps too with just like uh, groceries or, or quick things, but the grocery store is right down the street. I joined smart fit and that's right down the, down the street. And, um, it kind of forces clarity again of like, what are the important things? Like I couldn't bring my whole, my whole, uh, closet full of supplements. So it's like, all right, well, I'll just do the, the, the one a days and not, you know, I'll get more down here. Um, 
And what's the minimum thing I'll do? It's like basically just running two miles in the morning. I could, I could do that wherever. Um, and then every other day I'll go lift weights. Um, and then the food and diet stuff's usually pretty easy of just find like, uh, good sort of protein and, and vegetables and uh grocery store has everything could order stuff too so uh it's been a good sort of exercise to think okay what are what is my routine like do i want to join this co-working area i was at earlier um checking out um different co-working spots um or do i like kind of working from home and i kind of like switching it up i can do coffee shop co-working or uh or work from the crib are you this is one of the struggles i have mitchell if I were doing what you're doing at this point in my life, I'm constantly looking for an angle. How can I, how can I create that? How can I make this something that is beneficial? How, how can I add utility value to this whole exercise other than just me consuming the, the, the great experience and all that? Are you planning to do that? Travel vlog, a book, a how-to, or are you, and is that, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Or is it just a thing? I mean, I, I, I honestly, even when Jim Lynn and I go to places, I'm constantly thinking, okay, how can I leverage this? I guess that's the thing. I'm constantly trying to leverage every freaking experience. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. You know, you, it's kind of a, a meme now of all the people constantly on their phones at concerts and stuff, instead of just absorbing it. And I'm almost like a worst case scenario. I may not have my phone out, but in my mind, I'm like, okay, how can I write about this experience? What can I, what, what blog post or what little segment of the Vitruvian letter will this experience fit into? And so it kind of concerns me. Do you, do you suffer that? And do you have an opinion as to whether that's a good or a bad thing? Um, yeah, I think I, I definitely experienced that. And that's, I think that's a feature of creating content, right? Where it's like, oh, I have a cool experience. Nice. And now I have a mechanism to now capture that or different contexts to say, okay, I, I know it's definitely going to get featured in my newsletter. Um, but also I featured kind of similar thing like two weeks ago, this is kind of like that. And like, I can, I can pull up my Evernote and just see all the different writing and, and start to have some pattern recognition to say like, oh, actually this is like an interesting video thing where I could like compare these, th these two things. Um, so yeah, I think that there's an extreme version of it um, as with everything where it's just like, you can't even go to the restaurant because uh, you're just out taking pictures, trying to make a video. Um, but the, the, that's also like a fun thing too. Of like, uh, you know, Gary Vee has like the document don't create sort of thing. Like you're doing it anyway, might as well get some content out of it and then just try not to be obsessive over it and to still kind of just like take it in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right, dude. Well, look, there's so much more we could, we could talk about. Um, you know, I, I think like one of the things you, you mentioned on your uh, Google doc, you sent me about talking about the, uh, the power of regret, you know, um, I think that what you're doing right now, there's two things I want to mention. So I think I'm going to release it for a best Friday ever episode of the Jason Wright show. Uh, I answer 11 questions that Lewis Howes actually considered like most important questions for being single. And I've told you, I think that because you and I have spoken about relationships and the and the future Mrs. Cohen one day and how I think you are doing singlehood very well. I think you're leveraging it very, very well. And I got to thinking about that before we got on. I'm like, man, there's so many dudes out there that right now, they're using their single life to just I get whore around, go go to the go get beers with the boys and and quote unquote enjoy what they think is freedom. Those are the guys I think that will bitch about being married 
when it, once that finally happens, as opposed to you being able to bring these incredible experiences and be able to share that with a partner one day. My buddy uh, Matt Wagner wags. He listens to the show every week and wags. Hey man, he and his wife now Molly. They traveled, man, like, I mean, the most unbelievable global travel you can imagine before they had kids. And so I think they did early marriage as swimmingly as anyone I've ever seen. I think you're doing singlehood very, very well. So kudos to that. And I bring that in back to the whole power of regret thing because so you bring it up. And so I I presume you've seen that I've I've thought about this a lot. I've read books on it. I'm actually doing a lot of research on because I'm real big on this. Like, I think that one of the things I want selfishly is to make sure that whenever I'm 95 or actually I think I'm going to challenge Peter Atia to, uh, I'm going to be in his centenarian Olympics and I'm going head to head. He's a little older than me, but we're going to have to make some rules. I am, I'm, I'm calling him out right now. I'm going to compete in the centenarian Olympics against Peter Atia. When I get there, I want to have as few regrets as possible. And I think what you're doing right now is a prime example of how you eliminate regret because every piece of research that I've read says that it is not the decisions you made, like the things you decided to do. Not many people, other than that there are those moral issues, like you cheated on a spouse or you you got drunk and destroyed your little baby sister's wedding or some crap like that. Now, that's a thing you did that you regret. But even those regrets pale in comparison to the things that people didn't do. Those seem to be the lingering ones because at least the bad things you did, yep, I took the ch- I took the chance. It didn't work out, but I know I did it. And so it didn't go the way I wanted. So I kind of regret doing that, but at least I know the ones that people didn't do, the chances they didn't take, the, the living like a nomad for however long that they didn't do, those are those because they're it's always this lingering what if what if what would have that been like and they and they have no answer they have there's no finality to it and so what you're doing well two points there I think you're doing singlehood very well my man I think you're leveraging it so well and then I think as it relates to trying to check off that that eliminate regret list I gotta believe that you're really crushing it on that point as well man uh nice yeah super appreciate uh all the above and yeah i also uh read power of regret uh, the daniel pink book and yeah was just very aligned on the concept and like he basically breaks down for uh for people listening it's like the the vast majority of, of regrets are like two different buckets there's regrets of action versus regrets of inaction and like you were saying it's uh a far greater uh magnitude that people regretted the uh, had regrets for um inaction versus action right so they at least tried to start the company um versus um they they regret never trying or never never asking that girl out or never doing the world trip and those big things sound very big but um the one of the things i think about is like everyone knows what they really are right and for me one of them is you know doing this like digital nomad thing and when i'm looking sitting like going into the office in Austin or looking at my things in Austin. I'm like, Oh, that feels like very big and hard to do. Um, but as soon as I made up my decision of like, like I want, I know I want to do this. So I really have no choice, but to honor that in myself. Otherwise I'm doing myself a disservice and like everyone I'm interacting with. Cause I'm like, I'm not doing the thing I really want. So like, um, like what am I doing if I'm not doing that thing? And, um, or er- I I'm early into it, but the hypothesis is, that um 
the go starting to do those things it like it's like a a a snowball effect of rolling down the hill you know it's it's hard to get it going but once it's going it's like oh that's like kind of the only way to live of like oh you feel like going to this random event on a tuesday um sure i just felt like doing it and i'm doing it um feel like going to a different country next week maybe i'll do that uh feel like asking a girl out feel like starting a new business like whatever it is and sure you don't want to be reckless and just like all over the place and scattered it's good to have like some sort of strategy but at the same time you gotta like you gotta take swings so um uh the power of regret was a good framework to think about like um will i regret not doing this uh chances are for me and this travel thing that that answer was yes so i would say for anyone else out there to think about like what those big things are and how you could like make progress towards them yeah it goes back to james quandall had a guy by the last name of Perkins, I can't remember his first name, on his on his show where he was talking about these experience dividends you get. And I've had that conversation with Jimlin yeah. a lot. Like we're planning this European trip with the girls to celebrate both of their graduations from college, and it's going to be ridiculously expensive. I mean, it's going to be a chunk. It's going to be like something that, you know, isn't going to be, not that I, you know, it's just it's, it's going to be a chunk. But I, I told her, I said, okay, here's the deal. Yes, it's going to be costly, but when we've done it and we're in and you and I and Rylan and Abby are sitting down and we're talking to our grandchildren about that amazing European tour we took to celebrate their graduation. Are we going to regret spending the money then? Or, you know, or we, it'd be much worse to go, remember that trip we were going to take? You know, we'll have all these memories that will last forever. And you amortize. And that's what I told Jim. I said, look, I'm going to be around at least another 50 years. So whatever we spend on it, I got 50 years of memory dividends and experience dividends that I'm going to cash in. And, you know, it, it just, I think when we start to think of things like that, it, it, you know, amortize it. And, and granted, I don't, you know, we will pay cash for that trip. I don't think people should go leveraging themselves for these experiences. If you can't afford it, you can't afford it. Be wise, be a good steward of your resources. But when it comes down to should I do this or should I not, it's just like you. I was thinking about this, like the old Jason Wright, and still to this day, the Jason Wright would have thought, holy crap, how can I get out of paying for that return trip ticket to get me back to Mexico City, to get me on the flight to go where I'm going? I would have thought, oh my God, it's going to be 500, 600, whatever you paid for it. And I'm like, that's so damn stupid. I mean, look at what you're talking about, a solving a problem with a few hundred bucks that, you know, it's in the grand scheme of things, that's pretty cost effective. Right. I mean, and, and so I have not to, not, I'm definitely not a spendthrift by any means. I'm, I'm a pretty frugal and conservative guy, but I have gotten a little bit better. Thanks with the help of Jim in, in particular is, you know, thinking, wait a minute, this is a hundred bucks and that sucks. And that seems excessive, but in the long run, amortize it out over like one of the biggest mistakes I made, dude, is I think it was at the, uh, the gardens of Versailles in Paris. It's like 75 bucks a head to walk through these gardens. And I just said, no, that was what, that was just dumb. I mean, Mrs. Wright should have said, you're being ridiculous. We need to go through the gardens of Versailles. It's $150. We may never get back over here. And I, so I think that prioritizing things and understanding in the great, throughout the course of your life, 500 bucks, a hundred bucks, taking this trip, not taking this trip. In the, if you look at it over a much longer trajectory, I think you'll realize a lot of those moments that to eliminate that regret forever, 
it's kind of a bargain in the long run. I really think, and I think that you're, you're proving that right now, dude. I really do. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, uh, to- totally agree. Um, same thing goes with like, what can you avo- remove in your life of like just doing the exercise of Ramit safety as a thing. I think it's him um, where it's like, uh, there's actually like 2000 working hours in a year. And so like just for round math of like hundred thousand dollar salary, take that divided by 2000 is uh, 50 bucks in an hour. So it's like, what are the things that you would rather that you don't want to do? So it's like, you know, hire a cleaner to come. Um, I don't, I don't like cleaning. Um, <clears throat> one of the nice things about here too, like I had someone just come and do my laundry. Um, uh, I, I didn't necessarily care to do that. And like, when you look at it, it's actually like impractical for you to do these things. If your time and energy and well-being is, is better spent in a different capacity, and then same thing, I'm just like, well, well, like you know, you have the resources, you value experiences, so yeah, go and 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 take that trip. And then the uh, the last thing is like the you talk about like amortization over time, and there's a similar concept with like um, your pain. Rather than um, we are alive right now, and then some future state we are dead. There's like uh, the stoic concept where like we're actually all, all dying currently. Like uh, yep. we've paid our life. Uh, I'm 33 right now, so I've died 33 years. And then it's less of um, oh yeah, like eventually I'm just kind of messing around. Sometime down the road, it's like yeah, I guess I'll die. No, it's like you you are paying each day. Like I paid a a day of life today, right? And so it's like you start to have real skin in the game for how you're going to spend your time, what you don't want to do, what you do want to do. Um, and then think of it that way of like, you know, you're paying with life uh, and that stuff runs out um, sometimes very quickly. So I want to, I want to make sure I'm paying with uh, um, spending, spending lifetime um, well spent. And you know what, before I let you go, you just, I'm going to, I want to flush this out because this is something that would make a great article or blog. So a lot of people heard what you just said, and they're like, yeah, that's easy for you to say, Mitchell. You're single. You don't have kids. You don't have to say for college or whatever the case. They're going to come up with all those different things. And so to the listener out there, I would say this, because I get it. I do have children, and I've made some of these decisions, and I'm not patting myself on the back, but I'm saying that when it came time to make the big decisions that put me into this kind of life design type organization or deal I'm in, it was a micro Example of that is Mitchell, you having to buy the return ticket. If it's important enough, and to the listener out there, if this idea of realizing like Mitchell has died 33 times and today is paying it, I'm going to get the most out of it, and you really want to, then you're going to have to put yourself into a, a, a mindset and create a framework that says, How can I strategically get the absolute most out of this day? And this thing that I think I have to do, this job I have to go to, this meeting I have to take, this business trip I have to take, can I strategically remove that pressure point from my life? Now, you might not be able to. There might have been a chance. There were no tickets. There might have been a chance. But you went through the exercise, and it worked for you, and it may not work for others. So I would just tell the listener that here's something like that, and it's like, oh, yeah, easy for you guys to say. Well, no, I don't know about you, Mitchell, but yet a lot of the decisions that we're talking about here, they weren't easy, and execution really wasn't easy. But the crazy thing is 
what you find out is once you just start walking through it, you said it earlier, when you're going through it, you realize it is somewhat exhilarating. You find out what you're capable of. You find out you're much more strategic than you thought you were. You find out that all of a sudden, it's not just some simulation of, okay, what would happen if I quit my job today? Would it do it? I mean, I'm not telling everybody to go quit their job, but I'm just saying if that's what you decide, I hate my job, I can't stand it, I despise it, it keeps me away from my family way too much, pull the trigger and just see. You're going to live. You're going to survive. And um, So anyway, I think there's something there, man. I think you just, uh, I think that that's kind of uh, the micro, you having to buy that ticket, and macro is people, when you decide to design a life where you really want to only do at least the majority of the time, right? I mean, even if you could do the 20... 80-20 rule where 20% of the stuff you do is that that's the crappy stuff that funds 80% of the good stuff you do. Okay, I think you've pretty much that's that's pretty good math. That's pretty good math. Right? Right, right. And and for anyone listening too, it's like um e- even this trip, for example, I didn't wake up one day feeling inspired and say, okay, I'm doing it, I'm selling all my stuff, and I'm and I'm booking the uh the the flight. Uh, instead what it looked like as like all these other examples of like, what is, what do I think I want? Uh, okay. Well, I think I want this thing. How do I tug on that future state, like a rope and do the micro version test today. And so like rewind to last December, I had like a work retreat in, in Costa Rica. And I was like, my hypothesis is that I want to do this world travel thing. Um, I could, you know, sell everything and go, but that feels really hard. What if I just did a test and I extended that trip for two extra weeks did a, did a little travel excursion, work, right, uh, do that thing. Uh, th- okay, cool. That'll be my mini experiment. Did that mini experiment. Turns out I really liked it, and it just felt right. So I was like, okay, how do I do more of it? It was around year-end time. I was like, okay, I think I'm going to prioritize this at some point this year. Um, and I sort of made that pact myself of like, okay, I'm going to do it at some point this year. Then like a few weeks go by, a month goes by. I was like, okay, actually, I'm going to do it right when my lease is up in the end of um the end of July. And so it's like just these baby steps, like sounds so obvious, but like um, sometimes you just see the end picture and you don't always realize of like, Oh, there's usually an easier test case to be made. Um, And, and it very well could have been the case where I extended the trip in Costa Rica in last December and it was miserable. And I was like, Oh, well, I'm glad I did this test because it turns out I I didn't like it. So um, whenever possible, if it's hiring somebody new, if it's doing an Upwork, um, trying to find an editor on Upwork, having a test experiment, if it's something I want to do, rather than like buying a year's worth of language learning, I just started on Duolingo for free for a week uh, of just always doing the smallest little test. Um, we have the mantra test then invest at FTMO where um, what's the smallest test I could I, I could try out? Um, if I like it, you know, if it works out well, then then you double down and invest more into it. I love it, dude. Mitchell, as always, brother, this has been a blast. I am going to make a point to force myself to clip this up and share these nuggets with people so that hopefully they'll come in and listen to this entire conversation, which, uh, it's, I mean, it's been so, so fun for me. I know it's going to be fun for other people to figure out what you're doing, man. You're, you're on a real cool journey. I'm real proud of you and for you. And, uh, I appreciate you taking some time out to check in with, with me, man. It's, it's always so much fun talking to you. Uh, likewise, my man. Uh, yeah, there's, there, there's something with, I was thinking about it running this morning. There are certain people where you have the check-in where it's like, I'm excited for my own sort of progress, but I'm also excited to learn from the people I value most. And, uh, and you just, you are certainly one of those, those people that 
hearing your thing, seeing your goofy David Goggins uh, impression, which by the way, if people are listening, he does an impression of David Goggins talking about pickleball. pickleball. And as I want to play pickleball, pickleball. <laughs> so you don't die playing pickleball. Then I went out there, I stole his soul, put him in the dirt, stay hard playing pickleball. <laughs> yes, that, that. Uh, and so as a pickleball player, as well as a David Goggins uh, um, fan or advocate, uh, I thought that was gold. And uh, and the stuff you share in the, the Vitruvian letter and, and online. So it's good to surround yourself with people who uh, who energize you because that's not always the case with, with everyone. So I appreciate you. Always a, a pleasure jamming with you and uh, excited uh, for, for more updates to come. Thank you, brother. And uh, let's, uh, let's, let's keep in touch. Let me know where you are. I'm, I'm, I'll hunt you down and we'll do this again. Oh, yeah. Love it. All right, man. Sit tight and I'll say goodbye to you after I stop this. Give me just a second. All right. So there you go. Mitchell Cohen on the other side of the world, not the other side of the world, but down south and being a vagabond. Thanks for joining us on the Jason Wright Show. Hey, if you are watching this on the YouTube channel, please click like and subscribe and put some comments in there. Ask Mitchell some questions about how he's making this happen. If you're thinking about doing it yourself, go for it and, and ask him questions. Also, please, if you're listening to this on iTunes, leave us a five-star rating so we can keep climbing in the rankings and I too can one day be like Chris Williamson and crush it and have Jordan Peterson on my podcast, Andrew Huberman. The dude is getting everybody these days, but I had Mitchell Cohen today and it was awesome. He's Mitchell. I'm Jason. Improve always in all ways and we are out. Thanks.